I've titled this The Road Back to Reality, Perception Versus Reality, which lenses are reviewing life through, perception or reality. Our text will be found in Luke 24, 13 through 51. I'm going to be reading to you today out of the Message Bible. The Holy Spirit keeps talking to me, so that's why I'm pausing, so I'm listening. I keep hearing there's strongholds in here today. So if I stop in the middle of the message, I'm going to just deal with them as we go. Because it's not me dealing with them, but I'll, I have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and... and um, Say what he says to say. Two definitions I would like to share with you today. One is perception. Perception means to attain awareness or understanding, to become aware through senses. I thought I perceived a problem, but I wasn't sure. The second definition, reality, means the quality or state of being real, a real event, actual occurrences. Remember the title, The Road Back to Reality, Perception versus Reality. Which lenses are reviewing life through, perception or reality? Let me set the context here for you prior to doing our Bible reading. Prior to going into our reading today, Jesus was crucified, buried, risen from death. A woman went to the tomb. She ran and told the disciples because when she went to the tomb, the tomb was empty. Jesus' body was gone. So she went and told the disciples, Jesus' body's gone. Peter went to check it out himself. And yes, it was correct, his body was gone. So Peter went away, marveled. Bible reading beginning, Luke 24, 13 through 51. I'm going to read out the message Bible today. The road to Emmaus. That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation going over all these things that happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long face like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleo, Cleopas, I call him Cleo, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what happened during the last few days? He said, what has happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. 
Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him. God him sent us to death and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they went at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen the vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of my friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the woman said, but they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all that the prophet said? Don't you see that these things had to happen? That the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the book of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them, and here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? They didn't waste a minute. They were up on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and their friends gathered together, talking away. It really happened. The masters, the master had been raised up. Simon saw him. Then the two went over everything that had happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. While they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them, Don't be upset. And don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bones like this. As he said this, he showed them his hand and feet. They still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. He asked, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of leftover fish they had cooked. He took it and ate it right before their eyes. Then he said, everything I told you while I was with you, 
comes to this. All the things written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. He said, you can see now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day. And then a total life change through the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed in his name to all nations. Starting from here, from Jerusalem, you're the first to hear and see it. You're the witnesses. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what my father promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power from on high. He then led them out of the city over to Bethany. Raising his hands, he blessed them. And while blessing them, took his leave, being carried up to heaven. There's, certain, there's three scriptures I want you to really pay note to, attention to. Luke 24, verse 32, 35, and 38. Back and forth they talk. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? Then the two went over everything that happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them, don't be upset and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands, look at my feet, it's really me, touch me, look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bones like this. So let me recap something for you here. I want to bring something to your understanding that maybe we missed. The disciples, when they were walking on the road, had their own perception. Jesus interrupted them when they were walking, and he stepped into their perception. Their perception was, when I said stepped in, he joined their perception. He joined their perception by saying, what's this you're discussing so intently? Now, get this. Jesus already knew all these answers, right? He already knew the deal. But he stepped into their perception. So then they began to tell him the circumstances. They told him the circumstances as they saw through their lenses, through their perception. So they begin to say, hey, this is what's going on in Jerusalem. Have, where have you been? How come you don't know what's happening? Jesus crucified, he died, his body's gone. So they begin to share their perception with Jesus. They don't even know it's Jesus. That's their perception. But he joins them in their perception. They are scared and confused. He listens to all their perceptions. But as he's listening to their perception, he then brings them to true reality. 
He opens the scriptures. He reminds them of what he has already said to them. Now, this walk to Jerusalem was 7.5 miles. It wasn't a short little walk. So he opens the scriptures. He talks. His talks bring hopes and warms their hearts. He breaks the bread when he gets to their home. Through his mannerisms of probably how he broke the bread is when it opens up their mind, hey, that's Jesus. We remember something about this. Seven miles, they don't notice anything, but the scriptures are warming their heart. There's something when he's conversing, but nothing, recon they don't recognize anything until he breaks the bread and disappears. But then all of a sudden it goes back. They tap into reality. Are you following me? He breaks the bread. His mannerism brings remembrance. Their eyes are open and their reality changes. Why? A real occurrence happened. The real occurrence, they open their eyes to reality. So it went from perception to reality because the real occurrence is Jesus sitting right there. For us, sometimes we operate in perception to where we can't see reality. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I need you to see reality, not perception. Because when we're in perception, we cannot operate or flow or have what reality says we can have. We can't go in and take reality because perception has nothing for us. All of our stuff is stored in reality. Make sense? Remember, the enemy tries to work on us by using perceptions. He uses perceptions to cause confusion and bring division within our personal life and in the body of Christ. The perception lenses might look like this. My family's falling apart because Jesus isn't doing what he said he would do. So we question, is Jesus able to keep his promises? After all, it's the third day. How many times do we get right down to our deadline and say, well, Jesus didn't come through. So our perception is because he did not make it when we wanted it, it's not happening. But reality is, it might just be delayed. So then our perception causes us to give up when reality says, hold on. If God is so real, why is the church and the world in such a mess? Why is there so much chaos? Because the enemy wants our perception to say, churches are no good, people are no good, Christians are no good, they're just all hypocrites. Perception. But reality says, there's good, there's good people out there. They're reading, they're praying, they're doing what God says. You just got to find them. And when you find them, you got to lock in and do what they're doing. And better yet, you need to be one. We need to be one. We need to do what God tells us to do because if we're doing it, we're those good people. That's reality. But perception always says, go look at someone else when reality says we need to be that someone else. 
Why is that person allowed to serve in ministry? I know that. I know that they are actively living in sin. Mary Magdalene at the tomb, why she get to walk with Jesus? Her life ain't, what? She should be next to Jesus? Man, did you know what she did? Why she get to walk with Jesus? How many times we put a perception on a person because we know of the sin they did, but reality, we don't know what Jesus has done for them to get them to walk with Jesus or to be next to Jesus, but all we know is the perception of what we saw. But Jesus, in reality, have cleaned them up and have restored them and anointed them to do something, but we're still in perception looking at their past. We have to get out of perception and move to reality. If Jesus is alive, why aren't the leaders correcting or dealing with current issues? Why does it feel like no one is praying or teaching God's word? We can have sin in our lives and still have eternal life with Christ. Man, our perceptions sometimes just get totally warped. Because we live in perception, we justify things. And when we live in perception and we justify things, we come up with all kind of crazy ideas. And, but it's not reality, because reality, when you're, in the, when you're listening to the Holy Spirit and you're walking and doing what the Holy Spirit tells you and you're reading God's word, then you know these perceptions does not line up with reality. Because God's word clearly tells us how to live. Tell me why, tell me why do bad things always seem to happen to good people? Bad things happen to bad people too. I started tithing and now I can't pay my expenses. My family is lacking. That's a perception. Because before we weren't tithing, our things was lacking too. But perception, <laughs> perception target when you start doing something for God. Do you see what I'm saying? But we don't balance that out because we're in perception. If we aren't careful, we will become ineffective by seeing, by seeing with our perception lenses. We begin to spread our perception to others without knowing reality. The perceptions infect others and then become gossip that, oft, that often leads to leads dissension among each other. This brings division, disunity, and lack of trust. Our false perceptions kills other spiritual witnesses as well as our character, as well as their characters within the body of Christ as well as in the world. We will have to answer for our actions to others as well as to God. We have to be careful when we put our perceptions on anyone. We have to be careful when we voice our perceptions. Do you know when we say things as, child, as children of God, when we say things, we put it out in the atmosphere, we change the atmosphere. Did you know that? We have the power that the God has allowed us to have. We change the atmosphere. We don't realize how powerful our words are. You have the power to tell a mountain to move. You just don't live in reality to know that. When I say you, me, myself, sometimes we forget the power that God has given to us. If we really understood reality and the reality that he has left 
if we understood really what that looks like, the power that he has given us as his children to speak his word. I'm not talking name it, claim it. I'm talking standing on the word of God, understanding the reality of his word and the power that he's given. Now, did I say you're never going to have a bad day? I did not say that. Did I say you're never going to get sick? I did not say that. Did I never say you're not going to suffer? I did not say that. But you have the power to change things, to move things, to go through trials and tribulations, to go through things much easier than somebody that does not. Reality. We have to know and act on truth. Key takeaway. When our perception match God's reality, I'm going to say that again. When our perception match God's reality, we are the witnesses. No one has to tell us we are the witnesses. Because we know he died. We know he was crucified. We know he died on the cross. We know he rose again. We know he left his word for us. We know the Holy Spirit is there as a comforter. We're the witnesses. Nobody has to convince us. We're the witnesses. We know this. We must process our life and other lives through the lenses of reality, not perception. When someone comes and say, hey, Sister Connie's this, Sister Connie, I'm using Connie because she won't get offended. <laughs> Just being honest, you know. Some people you can't use them because they get offended, they take it some kind of way. But I, 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 I'm in a relationship with her godly relationship, let me be clear. <laughs> she won't get offended. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, Sister Connie's this way and Sister Connie's that way and Sister Connie says this, my reality is I know Sister Connie. I'm going to tell you that's not true. I'm not going to entertain that. I'm going to tell you, no, that's not true and you need to stop that. I'm not going to let you keep telling your perception. I'm going to say, that's your perception, but that's not true. Please, don't, please stop saying that. And I'm going to go tell Sister Connie, you're saying that, and I'm going to bring you to Sister Connie so you can clear your perception up. But that's me. Because if I allow you to keep that perception going, then what you do is you kill the character of Sister Connie. And that would not be her reality. And then when Sister Connie goes to tell somebody else something about Jesus, they have a perception of Sister Connie because of your perception that's not accurate. Do you see why we have to be the witnesses? That's just something minor. Well, think about when we do not say the reality of Jesus. Think about when we do not protect the character of Jesus, who we say we love more than anything. This is, a, this is on all of us. 
when someone is saying, ah, Jesus, don't do this, and Jesus and that, well, that's their perception. So then it's my job as his witness to say, no, that's not my Jesus. My Jesus is a loving. My Jesus takes care of me. My Jesus come through on that third day. My Jesus is alive. My Jesus is a provider. My Jesus is a healer. My Jesus shows up at the midnight hour. Because I'm his witness. It's my job, to, my job to show people my Jesus in the reality lens, not the perception lens. We can only do this by not allowing the doubting questions to take over. We must be mindful to allow God's reality to guide and direct our lives. So don't be confused. Walk in God's reality. You are clothed with power from on high. He said, what's that power? He left you with the Holy Spirit as a comforter. He left you with his word. Sometimes we don't have that power because we don't know what it is. We never asked him for it. It's a gift. It's free. We don't even know what his words say because we don't study it. You can't have an intimate relationship with someone if you don't get intimate. When you want to get intimate with someone, you dive in. You, you, want, you spend time with that person. You know, when, when I was dating my husband, I wanted to be around him all the time. I still want to be around him. Let me just say that. 37 years, I still want to be around him. I, I'm not saying I don't now. I still want to be around him. But you want to be, a, <laughs> but you want to be around him. You want to date him. You want to, you want to just hug him. You want to squeeze him. You, want to do, you just want to spend time with him. Well, that's how we want to, That's how we need to be with our God. That's how we need to be with Jesus. We want to, be, we want to spend time with him. We want to get to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. We want to know what pleases him. And then we can be those witnesses. And we have that Holy Spirit. You know, when we get in trouble, sometimes you just got to say Jesus and he's right there. Sometimes when you're lonely, you just call Jesus and he just hugs you like that blanket's right around you. Don't you want that? If you got that, keep it. That's better than a million dollars in the bank. That's better than any money you could have. That's better than, that's better than anything. Don't you want to fall in love with Jesus like that? That's the reality. Those are the reality lenses. Perception is, I think I want it, but I don't know. I never felt it. Well, no, it can't be that true, but reality is, oh, yes, it's real. It's real. I don't think it, I know it. When I'm lonely, he comes in and he comforts me. He gives me that peace that no man, nobody could take. And you said, well, why on the road to Emmaus did you read this story? And I asked the Holy Spirit, so why did you give me this story? He said, because as you read, and I said, man, that's a lot of scriptures to read, God. He said, when you read those scriptures, it's me reminding you all that I, that I was crucified. 
that I was buried, but I rose again. And as you read all those scriptures, didn't your heart, didn't your heart feel warm to know he's alive? Didn't the scriptures remind you that he's here with us? He's not, he, he's not dead. All the troubles we have, all the things that we're going through, it's a perception, but it is our reality. But here's what I want you to look at. Don't look at the problems with perception lenses. Look at them with our reality lenses. It's temporary. We're passing through. I don't know if you remember that message with the rope. We're only here for a short while. Our eternity will last forever. We're passing through people. This is a test. This is a test. Let's pass our test with our reality lenses. He left us a comforter. He left us his word. We are his witnesses. Let's stay on the road of reality.